Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are your film analysis team here for SB Nation's New York Giants site. Today's episode, as we do every single Thursday, happy Christmas Eve, everybody, by the way. We will be hitting on the film preparation, the preview for the Baltimore Ravens, who the Giants play 1 o'clock this Sunday. Now, this game is not entirely that difficult to prepare for from our perspective in the sense that most people understand what makes this Baltimore Ravens team very good. And it all starts with the man under center, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal athlete. He is also a better quarterback than I think a lot of people are willing to give him credit for. He has a good arm. He's a player that excels outside of structure and loves to move outside the pocket and throw on the run. He does a lot of very, very complex things that make him one of the hardest quarterbacks to slow down. Yeah, he really is. He is a pretty unique player in the NFL and kind of in the history of the NFL. Uh, coming out, there was a lot of comparisons to Michael Vick because you know they're similar size players. They're, we'll say, slightly built for an NFL athlete, but extremely, extremely athletic, uh, surprisingly strong arm considering their size. But the thing that Lamar Jackson does that Michael Vick never really got, at least until the tail end of his career, was that. Lamar Jackson is capable of being a passer. He is capable of throwing a catchable ball to pretty much anywhere on the field and being reasonably accurate while doing so. He is just so incredibly difficult to defend. He has such a unique skill set that it allows the Ravens to play a very unconventional brand of offense. Exactly. They're able to do things that I don't think any other team in the NFL can do because Lamar Jackson is such a unique player playing the quarterback position. And honestly, Chris, it's worth noting Lamar Jackson is somebody that is going to be worrying the Giants. He's a, he's somebody who worries every single team. Some teams have had success in slowing them down. If you look at what the Titans did last year in the playoffs, that was a well-called game by that Titans coaching staff to slow him down. But we already have an example 
of not the exact same type of a player, but a similar style player, a good athlete at quarterback. We have an example of a guy like that against the Giants, and things didn't go very well that time when they faced a guy like that. I'm referring to Kyler Murray. We all know how that game went. It it did not play to the expectations that, that we had because Kyler Murray was able to work away from the slower edge players and defensive linemen that the Giants have on their team. It's it seems like right now, and I don't want this to to sound like I'm giving up and I'm saying that the Giants can't play well against Lamar Jackson, but it seems like the one main issue that this really good Giants defensive line and linebacker group has had is slowing down quarterbacks who are very, very good on the run and are very good of playing outside of structure. Yeah, and that is a common uh fault of most NFL defenses because historically, traditionally, NFL defenses are built a certain way. And over the last few years, we have seen a lot of college concepts percolating up into the into the pro game. And some of those involve using the quarterback as a dual threat, as a weapon in his own right. Now, we saw the, uh, the Wildcat craze about a decade ago and that kind of fizzled out mostly because it puts the quarterback at too much of a risk and if you have a separate wildcat player that's just a little bit too predictable for the defense but having these dual threat quarterbacks guys who are capable of playing outside of the structure of a traditional nfl offense using their legs as weapons as well as being good passers not just competent passers but good passers they put a ton of stress on a defense and make it very, very difficult for a defense to be right and very easy for the de- for the offense to make the defense wrong, even if they have the correct defense called. The other notable player that this Ravens offense utilizes is Marquise Brown. Now, we're going to hit on some of the running backs soon, but if we're talking about one of their other talented offensive playmakers, we have to bring up Brown, who is a legit speedster, an absolute speed threat who can frankly beat anybody over the top. He is that quick of an athlete. He's somebody that if you don't play press on him, he will blow right past you. But he's not a very big guy. He is barely, I think he's somewhere around 175, 180. He came into the league at 160. A really tiny receiver those are kind of the the caveats of him playing the position, but he's very, very quick, and he's going to be hard to keep track of. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, he earned that name at Oklahoma. He was a show anytime he got the ball in his hands. He plays the game at a different speed. He is he doesn't just have the ability to blow the top off of a defense. If if the Ravens get him in space, like on a crossing route, mesh concept, slant route, and get him the ball with just a little bit of daylight, he can turn a modest reception into a big gain because he can just straight up outrun a lot of the players in the NFL who are trying to catch him. And even though he is tiny for an NFL player, he's kind of, you know, like normal human sized. He's also quite good, I noticed, at protecting himself, at using his athleticism to get out of bounds, get down, uh, break angles so defenders just cannot lay hits on him that combination of athleticism at the quarterback position and then at the receiver position combined with all of the big physical dudes this Ravens offense loves to hit defenses with 
that is a very difficult combination for NFL defenses to deal with. So getting into the bigger strengths for this team, it all revolves around their style of offensive play calling and their effectiveness when it comes to running the football. They have a strong trio if if Mark Ingram is available this week. J.K. Dobbins has been a catalyst for this this run game, the rookie out of Ohio State. And then also Gus Edwards, when he's had to fill in, has been highly productive. That running game is filter uh, is is very pushed forward by the usage of some read option style plays. Again, similar to what we talked about the Cardinals doing well, they ran a lot of read option with Kyler Murray. The Ravens do it even more and do it even more effectively. When they're not doing some of that stuff, they run a lot of power-based run concepts. They try to run it right down your throat. They're not afraid to continually run the ball. And that then allows them to open things up with play action like a lot of good running teams do. They're going to rely on play action to be the majority of their yards picked up on passing plays. Yeah, and that's one thing they do to really simplify defenses is both the read read option and RPO games. Yeah, those are really great for isolating defenders, putting them in conflict and creating very defined reads for the quarterback, but also slowing down pass rushes, creating indecision in the defense. And then Play action does a lot of the same things. And this offensive line from the Ravens, they are so very good at selling play action because they are almost always run blocking. Even if they're pass protecting, they're still run blocking in a large part because of Lamar Jackson. Defenses never know if he's going to run, if he he has a designed quarterback run, a delayed run, or if he's just not going to like what he sees and break off into a scramble and just turn it into backyard football. Defenses are never quite sure if the Ravens intend to run the ball. So they always kind of have to play the run at least a little bit. And that slows down their pass rush. It slows down their pass coverage. And the Ravens are just fantastic at exploiting that. Yeah, they are a team that knows how to play to their strengths and then allow other teams to bite on it. And it was something, this is actually kind of interesting to talk about the Ravens because it's almost a a mix between what we saw the Browns do really well and what the Cardinals did really well. The Cardinals, very strong at running those read option plays. The Browns, good at setting up play action and picking up yards that way if teams try to slow down their running game. So now it's a mix of the both because you're implementing the read option into your running game. The other thing too, Chris, that you wanted to bring up, they have a pretty unconventional offensive design. A lot of 11 personnel, and they'll also frequently use extra tight ends and extra running backs, which is not something we typically see a whole lot in the NFL, especially the usage of extra running backs. Yeah, the the Ravens only use 11 personnel, three receiver sets, about half of the time. That is very low for the modern NFL. Usually it's up somewhere around 65-70% of snaps, especially since Sean McVay and the Rams showed how effective that personnel set is at actually running the ball because it forces defenses into smaller, faster sub-packages to to try to compensate for more receivers being on the field. What the Ravens do is they use a 
actually a fairly even distribution of 12 personnel that's two tight ends 21 personnel which is two running backs they like to use a fullback and 22 personnel which you should be able to figure out from from the previous two is two running backs or two backs and two tight ends and they even though we would normally think of those as running formations running packages they don't always use those to run they like to throw to their tight ends downfield they like to throw to their fullback they like to get their running backs involved in the passing game and they don't always use traditional spacing when they do that they will use one of these heavy packages but then try to spread the defense out or conversely they will keep everything nice and tight get the defense very concentrated in the middle of the field and then look outside to marquise brown or you know willie sneed or somebody like that or one of their tight ends kind of sneaking out into one of these spaces and get them in space and pick up yards after the catch that way. And speaking of unconventional, unlike a lot of teams, they use their fullback, Patrick Ricard, a ton. He is a converted defensive lineman. He is 300 pounds, does not look like he's 300 pounds. They love to use him as a blocker. Hell, they'll even get him the ball in space because he moves fantastically for a 300 pounder so you'll see him a lot on the field you'll see him trying to clear lanes they will try to work him in and he is an asset that they utilize that should be paid attention to for the Giants speaking on weaknesses now and I want to preface this by saying so I don't get any angry quote tweets or tags or uh, podcast reviews This is going to sound like I'm making it seem like it's simpler than it is. But their only weakness I think you can really highlight and just talking very generally. We spoke on how the Giants struggled to contain Kyler Murray. And the reason for that, because the Giants don't really have the speed off the edge to play good contain. If you're capable of preventing Lamar Jackson from playing outside of the pocket, that is where he flourishes where he extends plays, his receivers extend plays, he then gets the ball out, or he'll pick up yardage with his feet. If you can keep him within the pocket on passing plays and you effectively play the run the same way you did against the Cleveland Browns, if you're able to do that, Lamar Jackson and the way teams have had success against Lamar Jackson is by doing that, you then limit his opportunities to pick up extra yards. And again, that sounds really simple, but their receiving group is not good enough for Lamar to play in the pocket and just typical a, a typical passing offense. Their receiving group is not as good as some of the other teams we've seen over the last few weeks for the Giants. So if you can keep things contained keep Lamar in a spot where he can't move around much you're probably not going to sack him because he's that kind of a player he's going to still find a way to throw the ball away he's fast enough to do that but if you could prevent him from extending plays and for his weaker receivers to eventually get open that is very big in trying to slow down this offense and again that is something that sounds easier said than done A lot easier said than done. And I can't really confidently say that the Giants are going to be capable of doing that. But if they play very, very well this game and they play true to that assignment, and I'm willing to bet Patrick Graham is going to come out here with that plan in mind. If they can do that, 
this game is going to be a lot closer. They can keep it within striking distance to possibly win this game. Yeah, defensively, that's going to be the key for the Giants, is being assignment sound, being absolutely disciplined, not falling for the misdirection, not committing too hard to over-pursuing against RPOs and read option plays, and playing good contain, keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket. The Giants should have James Bradbury back. You know, maybe they, if they can do that, maybe those coverage rotations we saw can get him confused because as a passer, I would say Jackson's biggest weakness is that he can get greedy. He can get overly aggressive Yeah, against the Jaguars. He threw an, an early interception, mostly because he got greedy. He wanted the touchdown even and passed up a wide open tight end in the intermediate zone. Like you said, it is much, much easier said than done, particularly because the Giants are going to be walking a fine line because of how the Ravens use their personnel. They're going to try to force the Giants into heavy personnel sets, but they have enough athleticism that those heavy personnel sets are going to be difficult to keep up with. So keeping contain is going to be difficult, particularly since the Giants might not have the speed to keep up with Jackson and if he is able to make somebody miss in the backfield, you know, then all bets are off. Coming up, we are going to transition to talking about this Ravens defense and everything you need to know. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Heading over to the defensive side of the ball, the simplest way to put this one, they are a stout, well-coached group. There are some athletes at key spots, and speaking of those athletes, you have to first highlight Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphreys. They're two very talented corners who play very well in press. They play a lot of man coverage, and they do a very, very good job of it. And additionally, Patrick Graham, who is a rookie, right now is one of the favorites for defensive rookie of the year in close in a close race with Chase Young, who's probably going to end up winning it. But Patrick Queen has been a huge addition over the offseason for this Ravens defense. That group of three are the names that are going to pop up, I believe, the most throughout this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Peters and Humphreys, they are big, long, athletic press man corners. They allow the Ravens to be very aggressive on defense. They are able to 
beat up receivers, get in their hip pockets, and stay there. They disrupt routes early. They stay in phase, and it's going to be very difficult for the Giants receivers to create separation against them. And Patrick Queen, he has, you know, oh, really, what a rise he has had over the last year or 18 months. You know, coming into last year's college football season, he was maybe a late round draft pick, probably more widely considered an undrafted player. Then he has this great year at LSU, basically takes over their defense after, I believe it was an injury to their starting middle linebacker, and he has just kept getting better and better. He is very smart. He's got good athleticism, good range, and he's very good at navigating the trash around the line of scrimmage, and he does not hesitate when he sees where the play is going. He gets there quickly, he takes good angles, and he is a pretty sound tackler. Talking on the the big strengths here, what they're really, really strong at defensively, we already spoke on their talented corners with Humphreys and with Peters. They play a lot of man coverage because they're able to do what no other team is able to do because of their personnel. Not a lot of teams in the NFL play a, a cover one man coverage across the board with with a single high safety. Most teams can't do that because they don't have a balanced defensive back group. But because they have two very, very good corners, they're able to do it at a very high level and slow down opposing offenses at a pretty good clip. You'll see for a majority of this game, a lot of cover one. And this actually, we don't have any weaknesses for this defense. This actually, I would say, is a, a point where if the Giants had better receivers and a, a de facto number one guy, this could possibly be perceived as a weakness. Because when you're playing cover one, if you can beat press and beat man coverage, you're going to have a guy open on a consistent basis. But right now, there isn't really anybody I can say that will be open for a majority of these passing plays that can easily beat Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphreys. Yeah, the Giants are definitely going to have to try to scheme their players open. Uh, you know, the They just do not have wide receivers who are natural separators. Uh, Sterling Shepard can get separation with his routes. He has been their most consistent separator. The problem is, is he does it best out of the slot and the presence of Golden Tate pretty much forces Shepard to the outside consistently. Uh, Golden Tate is not a good outside receiver. And unfortunately at this point in his, in his career, he's not a great slot receiver either. And you know, the, we have seen Darius Slayton. He has great size. He has great athleticism. He is not great at separating with his route running and that's something you really need to be able to do against press man coverage. And yeah, this is just not a great matchup for the Giants receiving core. Yeah. You know, Giants fans are, I think, a little um we'll say skeptical that Evan Ingram got voted to the Pro Bowl, even though he leads the team in receptions. But he might have to be the focus of their passing game because they can move him around to get him free releases uh, maybe get him uh, matchups where he can use his athleticism to be the 
de facto number one receiver and maybe some of those free releases and hopefully I would say get him downfield. Yeah, that's where I stand on this. I think that Evan Ingram, if he plays a good game, could be a, an X-factor player if the Giants want to be productive on offense because Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, I, I think Golden Tate might be not completely shut down, but they're not going to be open on a consistent basis considering the numbers that indicate that the Giants receiving group as a whole is not very good at creating separation. But Evan Ingram is fast enough if if they have to play a slower defensive back or a linebacker on him, he is fast enough to get open. So if he's able to get open and actually catch the ball, it is going to be a big part of this offense if they want to have success. Now, going back to talking on the strengths for this Ravens defense, you have to acknowledge their really good defensive front. They play cohesively together where we can't exactly pinpoint one guy that is above and better than everybody else. Kind of similar with the Giants, where everybody just works really, really well together. You got Calais Campbell, you have Yannick Ngakwe, there is a, and you also have Derek Wolf. You've got a good group of defensive linemen that play the, the run well. They're not easily blocked, and there's not really a weak spot as well that you can easily pinpoint. No, not at all. You know, like if we probably could have said in our, you know, initial players to know the say all of their defensive front and probably down to their second string and second team defensive front. They are all good. They, the Ravens rotate them pretty freely. They use a lot of different looks. They use four down linemen, three down linemen, two down linemen. This is a defense that kind of resembles what the Giants like to do up front, but they've got better edge rushers. You know, they've got Parnell McPhee. They've got Matt Juden. They've got Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe, who a lot of Giants fans wanted to be to see in blue this year. Ngakwe is probably the closest thing they have to a star in this defensive front, but you know, all of them are just so good that it's tough to stand out. And as a team, they get good pressure. They're a top 10 pass rushing unit, and they are very good at jarring the ball loose. They forced 12 4 they forced 12 fumbles so far this year. I believe Ngakwe might might have the most. I believe he's got four at the moment to go with eight sacks. But that 12 forced fumbles is the second most in the league. And Giants do have an issue with ball security at times. So that is just something else they're going to have to keep be very careful about. Because if you give this Ravens offense any extra possessions, they will absolutely make you pay for it. A hundred percent. And that that is something we've seen, not particularly the running backs on the Giants, but Daniel Jones, if he plays in this game, he's had issues protecting the football. They are going to be coming after that ball. They're going to try and force turnovers. And even if it's a group where even if they give up yardage, they can make up for it if they allow an offense to get into scoring range by turning the football over, by forcing fumbles. That is a statistic that cannot be taken very lightly by this Giants team if they want to properly prepare for this game. That's going to be it for this breakdown, this preview of the Baltimore Ravens episode. Stay tuned for a Saturday scouting report we will have coming out for you. And we also talk to you right after the game on Sunday. 
To stay up to date on everything, follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII, and at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button. And if you really like us, drop a five-star review and let us know why you enjoy listening to the show. We'll talk to you on Saturday, folks. Enjoy the rest of your holiday.